The Montfail Muse, stories that connect. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of our campus podcast series, The Montfail Muse. I'm your host, Joe DeProspero, and I don't know about you, but I'm currently still adapting to it being dark when I walk to my car at 5.45 p.m., but with the holiday season approaching, as we've covered before in this podcast, where there is darkness, light is never far behind. And with Thanksgiving only a couple of weeks away, I'm frankly finding myself feeling grateful for my job, for my family and close friends. And as we release this episode on Veterans Day, a profound appreciation for those who serve our country. I think it often gets overlooked exactly how physically and mentally draining the process is to even earn your spot within our armed forces. And that is where today's guest comes in. So I sat with Peter Liu, an associate with Desktop Support Services, to learn more about his experience training for the National Guard, how he's able to manage essentially two careers, and an eye-opening lesson his mother taught him as a boy about compassion and paying it forward. Hey, Peter, welcome to the podcast. Really happy to have you. And thank you for immediately being on board uh, to be a guest. Uh, the first time we talked, you come across so easygoing. I felt like I could have asked you to watch my three kids, <laughs> and you would have uh, you would have uh, gladly agreed. I get the sense that you come from a place of, of, of just wanting to be helpful, being accommodating, and, and we really appreciate it here. So can you start us off by just telling us who you are and, and what you do for the firm? Sure. Well, thanks, Joe, for having me on board. Um, it was kind of weird when you reached out. I was like, who, who recommended me? <laughs> All of a sudden, I find out I was uh, a mutual friend of ours. i am uh, basically been a... Deside Services Tech with, um, well, now we're called Digital Nexus for about a year and a half now. Um, I actually started as an intern back in 2016, and then I just kept getting reeled back into the firm and the whole culture and everyone here. It, just, it basically became like family for me. I'm uh, currently in officer candidate school for the New Jersey Army National Guard, uh, trying to get my commission as a second lieutenant in the Army, focusing on to probably the intelligence community. And that's great. So as, as part of your, your ambition to get into the National Guard, you have taken a, a sabbatical here at the firm. Correct. And can you explain what that involved and also what the training involved? I don't think, man, certainly me, I have no sense of what the training is, is, is like for that. Sure. So like basically the, the route to become an officer in the Army National Guard or just in the General Army is everyone has, all soldiers have to go through Army Basic Combat Training or BCT as they call it. Um, so it's basically a 10-week course. Um, broken into three phases, and each phase is supposed to break you down, build you up, and make you into a U.S. soldier at the end of the whole process. Within that 10 weeks, it's, a, it's actually a really grueling process in terms of more mental uh, capability or capacity. You're isolated from everyone. You're literally thrown into the middle of the woods. I went to um, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and during the winter, I actually thought Missouri was a little bit farther south. So when I went, I was like, oh, you know, oh, Missouri's not going to be that bad. I'm going to be warm. I'm going to be okay. They're just going to be screaming at me. I'm good to go. Lo and behold, when I get there, it's like minus 10 every morning, minus 20 every morning. That's when all hell breaks loose. And you just realize, you know, when I just leave the bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich at the exchange for MREs and cold food and cold weather and all that good stuff. But in the end, it, it turned out to be a really great experience because I learned a lot about myself and how, how far I can push myself physically and also mentally. And in the end, it, you know, I, I joined the line of almost the 1% who serves in the country. And that's a 
great importance to me because um, with my family's background, we've been serving the U.S. military for about 70 years since dating back actually to World War II. Um, so, you know, to be part of that lineage, it's, it, it's a great honor. Wow. So you talked about being broken down just to just to pull yourself back up. And mm-hmm. can you explain what that process is like physically and mentally? Because you already said that oh. just the weather alone can break you down. Oh, right? yeah. Um, so so the, I guess the physical aspect, right? Uh, the first thing that they make you do is I'm not going to say that they make you kind of feel like you're nothing, but it, it is basically you make you feel like you're nothing. You, you get there, you know nothing. When we arrived, when our drill sergeants picked us up, you know, the story of where you see in like full metal jacket, the movie, everyone's like in their, they're standing in a line basically and have all their stuff thrown away and you're getting screened at. We had the same exact thing. We had a, um, they call it like an inspection. So they inspected all the gear that we brought with us. They made us screaming at us when we got off the bus, line up in our, like this training area. And this is granted, this is February. It just snowed. We had a whole, I remember it was like a whole snowstorm two days before we left. And then the day we actually arrived for basic training, it was raining, downpour, like f- 15 degrees outside raining. And I remember it was just like, oh, I'm going to remember this day for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then uh, so they lined us up. They made us toss all our, our duffel bags filled with all our stuff into a giant pile about, I mean, let's say like 15 feet high, 20 feet high. Think about it. and there's a there was like a sixty uh, something of us so sixty bags were uh, almost weighing forty pounds each of gear in one in like a giant pile and then they made us all run to it in like two minutes not even two minutes it was like thirty seconds to be honest and they had to make us all get it if we didn't get it they made us already start dropping down doing pushups and everything which is fine you know I I, I went in myself I was like all right, I have to be kind of in shape and, it, and that actually helped I knew a lot of my my. Uh, a lot of the people who went with me, they were not physically ready for it. And they thought they were gonna like, oh, I'm going to go to basic training. You know, I'm going to get in shape while I'm there. See, the, the sad reality is they don't tell you that when you're in winter basic combat training, you don't actually do a lot of PT because there's so many snowstorms and so much weather inclements. So when you, <laughs> you're suffering if you didn't go in there prepared slightly. Um, but yeah, you know, they broke you down on the first day. And then in the first three days, it's pretty much like hell. Uniformity is such a big deal. And you have to have, like, everyone has to look the same, dress the same, haircuts the same, right? So if, let's say, it's 10 degrees out, and, you know, you're told to have your gloves and one person doesn't have the gloves. Well, everyone's suffering in 10 degree weather and we're going to make you do pushups on the concrete, wherever we are, grass, snow, rain. And I remember there was like one morning, it was just really cold. My hands were freezing, touching the ground. And, I, and you just couldn't do anything about it. You kind of just sucked it up and you just sure. kept on going. The whole point of basic common training is they're there to teach you, to learn, to train you. So when you're ready, by the time you get out, you should be able to be self-sufficient enough to know what you're expected to do and what you should be doing. And, you know, it, it's pretty cool how the Army, you know, it's over 200 years old. They've refined the whole process of what is to make a good leader, what's to make a good soldier, what do they need to learn. You know, that whole refinement process, it's everything you did there was for a reason. Um, so even the most stupid thing like, and you're walking through the dining facility and you had to hold your cups of water to your chest 
and you're literally you can't let it drop or lower your hands. The whole reason for that was actually teaching you how to prepare to throw a um, grenade. Even now, I'm in officer candidate school, and you know they're training me to be a leader. Um, there's some stuff on there. I'm like, why am I doing this? And then I realize, oh, there's a whole larger reason for it. So, yeah. So you've already been through a ton. Where do you see? So where does this process take you in six months and, and in a year and so, beyond? So right now, um, for officer candidate school, for me, I'm in the traditional state program. So it's actually a 12-month program, basically starting in phase one, which was back in July, and I was gone for two weeks out in Connecticut. Um, and then it takes me all the way to the following August, which is where I hope to be commissioned as a second lieutenant. And then from there, um, you know, I plan to make my career as an intelligence officer, working either in cybersecurity or other fields of intelligence. So you told me on, on a recent call, Peter, that you, you, you like to help people, mm-hmm. and whether that's serving your country or serving the firm, Correct. you know, for lack of a better word. Uh, can you talk about where that overlap comes from and, and, and what drives you to want to help people and want to serve your country? Sure. So I think, you know, looking back on it, it actually comes from two parts. It comes from seeing my father. Um, he was a uh, former military person, army as usual. Um, and, you know, just seeing him, how he helped me and he, how he helped others, um, work their careers towards where they're at, you know, mentoring them, seeing, you know, guiding them in a certain way. It's like, you're not looking to help someone. So they help you. It's more that you're looking to help them. So, because then you know that you did your part and you can see if they're, um, career or opportunities or their life grows that it's a positive thing for yourself and that and you know for me and him we both agree like when I see someone I helped was able to grow it brings joy to me because then I know you know they're gonna do great things with themselves um and then for the second part was comes from my mom she's a very caring person it was funny it was there was this kid back in my elementary school and, you know, a lot, a lot of kids kind of bullied him and stuff. There was a birthday party for him, and he invited the whole class. He was a new kid in the class and everything. And no one really wanted to go to it. She actually threw him a birthday party. She took, like, a couple of us out to eat just with him just to celebrate for his birthday because she found out about what happened. And he was super elated by what she did, even hit the, the mother of my friend. Yeah, he's my friend. We became really good friends after that. Um, you know, they were super grateful for what she did. And, like, seeing her do that with him, seeing her do that with, like, other friends of mine whose parents weren't there, she helped them out, take them out, you know, made sure they were taken care of. You know, it resonated with me that I really like to see people happy and by helping them. And she never asked for anything in return. She just she just does it because, you know, she, she grew up as an immigrant with her parents always working she didn't have the opportunities that um that I had or well, a lot of my friends so when she sees a lot of struggle she wants to help make sure those people who are struggling are able to at least have some sort of comfort to get over it that's fantastic yeah. that's really great I was not expecting that <laughs> I was not expecting to be schooled as a parent I mean I have three kids and if I can create the type of lesson your mother did for you mm-hmm. I will I will consider myself a success <laughs> as a dad Let's take a minute to hear about an opportunity to connect on campus. 
Veterans who serve our country deserve a different level of respect. And coming soon, we'll have an opportunity to do just that. On December 7th in West Point, New York, the Montville Veterans Network will lead Wreaths Across America, an effort to honor our fallen veterans by laying remembrance wreaths on their gravestones at the United States Military Academy West Point Cemetery. You can participate either by attending the ceremony in West Point on December 7th, donating money towards a wreath, or both. To attend the ceremony, you can reach out to Trista Goings at tgoings at kpmg.com or 201-505-6318. Or to purchase a wreath, go to wreathsacrossamerica.org. It's a great way to give back to those who have given so much. Thank you. So it can be tough to accomplish any of this while you're working for the firm if you don't have a supportive PML. Mm-hmm. So how supportive was your PML during this process, especially when you, when you had to go out on a sabbatical? Um, so it was kind of funny. I actually never told anyone I was doing this. I was um, – actually, this time last year, I was considering going towards the guard. And by the time January came around, I, like, sprung ac- across my PML, and he was just like, wait, Really? It's like, oh, my God, okay, yeah, no, whatever you need to do, whatever you have to get done, if you have to take off a couple of days before you go, you, you know, you have my blessing. Even when I came back, you know, oh, Pete, you're back. Congratulations on everything. You know, super proud. Um, you know, take as much time as you need to come back. And grant, granted, I, I just took a week off, but and that helped. But they were super supportive of everything. Even now that I'm going through Officer Cannon School, there's times where I do have to take off from work and just head out right away. Um, they have no problem with it. It's like, hey, Pete, I know what you got to do. You have your obligations, you know, and I know you're getting your work done beforehand. Make sure you just do that. We're good to go. No problems and everything. So it's really great to ha- see that, you know, I have that support at work where I'm building my career at the same time another to support another career. So, Peter, I know you've been through some grueling training but I don't know that there's any training that will prepare you for a lightning round. <laughs> so it is seven questions with five seconds to answer each one. But the first question is always, are you ready? <laughs> um, yeah, let's do it. Right. Name a food you love that most people don't. Monkfish liver. Oh my, that certainly qualifies. <laughs> While we're on the topic, favorite hole in the wall food spot? Um, I don't know the name, but I know it's on Christie Street in Chinatown. It's basically $3.50 for a little package of rice, um, char siu pork, so it's basically barbecue Chinese pork and a little bit of cabbage. Fantastic deal. Really great taste. Yeah, we're going to have to find that place. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> Waze, Google Maps, or my GPS is in my brain, man. Oh, GPS is in my brain. I kind of have like this weird photographic memory when it comes to direction. Um, you kind of just send me one way, I'm able to get there, and I can get myself back. Oh, you're certainly better off than I am. <laughs> Favorite day of the year, and you can't say your birthday. Oh, damn. That's a good one. Um, Thanksgiving, because I can eat a lot and not worry about it, and we're good to go with that one. <laughs> and, that, and that's coming up very soon. Exactly. You're on a deserted island and can only bring one item besides your clothes. What do you bring? That's a hard one. Bacon. <laughs> Wasn't so, expecting that, but that's a good one. something, yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> What's the best way to use your PTO time? Having a Peter day. <laughs> so a day just for yourself. A day for you just for yourself. Yeah, that's, uh, I like that too. <laughs> I don't call it a Peter day. I call it a Joe day. Joe day. <laughs> so finally, a quote that explains your philosophy in life. 
Oh, um, actually, let me just pull that up. Um, oh, he's got it at the ready. Yeah, okay. I do. I it was kind of weird. I was out at somewhere. I think it was in the city and traveling. And I went to the bathroom, and there was just a quote right in front of the toilet. It reads, live every moment, laugh every day, love beyond words. To me, it, you know, you, you got to be in that mindset of just having such a positive attitude towards everything you do. You've taught me a lot today. I'm <laughs> telling you. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Um, I want to thank you for joining us, although you definitely made me feel incredibly lazy. My, my treadmill, my treadmill, <laughs> no, is, no, my no. treadmill is a piece of furniture hey, at this uh, point. Hey, honestly, that's the, for me, you know, my dad keeps telling me, he's like, oh, Pete, you know, it's going to be probably the best shape you're going to be, you, you know, after you have kids, you start working a lot more. So uh, on behalf of everybody here, Monfield, thank you for, for what you're doing, um, you know, for your dedication to the country and your dedication to the firm. We all really appreciate it. And thanks so much for joining us. Now, thank you for having me. Um, if you don't mind me saying one more thing. Um, you know, I actually reconnected with a childhood friend of mine, and he actually went active duty army. And he came back a couple months ago. And, you know, hearing his story, it was the first time I actually came in contact with someone who, you know, really does have PTSD. Um, and, you know, I remember I met a drill sergeant and he was telling me, you know, you meet all these soldiers that come back, airmen, seamen, Marines, you know, they all deal with it a certain way. And it never really impacted me until talking to a childhood friend that I grew up, played soccer with, met his, know his family, everything. And when you see someone struggling, um, I would say, check up on them. You know, it's going to be a long process, but over time, you know, they can persevere through it. And that is a wonderful note to end on. Yeah. Thanks, Thank Pete. You. Thank you, Joe. You've been listening to the Montville Muse. To self-nominate or to nominate a colleague to be a guest on the podcast, you can reach out to me via phone at 201-505-3485 or email at jdeprospero at kpmg.com. Thanks for listening.